You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, because we're rolling. Um, Live from Minneapolis, it's No, actually we're from St. Paul. Get it right. Get it right. With musical guests, <laughs> Ava. Our daughter might be singing serenades. No, anyway, um, I'm not going to say the date, but I have to talk about the weather because that's what I always do. I didn't tell you. Much. I talk about the weather. Um, we actually have reached springtime here in Minnesota. There is no snow on the ground. Am I right, Caleb? Yeah, you're right. But you know, by by saying you're not talking about the date, you're effectively talking about the date. No, I'm not talking about the date. I'm not saying what day it is or month. So get over it. No, um, we're back. Uh, it's been a while since we've all been here. Um, so, yeah. So we have Josh and Angela here today. It's been a couple months. Um, you guys started new jobs. That's going well, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... We're going to talk today about, I kind of tease the thing about how atheists are better Christians than Christians. <laughs> Oftentimes. Um, so, but before we do that, we should do roll call so people know who we are. So. Oh, I'm Caleb. Brian. Amanda. Kayleen. Joshua. Angela. Sweet. So now you know who we are and what we sound like. But uh, Josh and Angela, jump in whenever you guys want to. After I throw the questions down, I don't had, didn't have anything written per se. But I guess what would probably make the most sense is kind of just maybe however long or short you want to talk about, kind of maybe your background of how you were raised and that and how you deconverted. And where you're at, you know, now with that. If you feel comfortable with that. I was raised by wolves. Mm-hmm. And I became Catholic. <laughs> you were raised by, were you raised in winter? By Catholic yeah. wolves. By Catholic, <laughs> Catholic, Catholic, wolves. Catholic dire wolves. Um, Jesus, then, Mary, and Mowgli. <laughs> Man, I didn't deserve that. That was good. Yes, you did. That was awesome. Uh, strangely, I didn't really take my Catholicism very seriously. Growing up, like I went through confirmations and all that stuff. You know, went to church every you know Sunday. Went to confirmation every Wednesday. I was an altar boy. Like, no, it didn't happen to me. Um, but uh, was you know maybe more devout than most Catholic kids. I actually thought about becoming a priest, where most most kids don't. Um, but then I found this interesting thing called evangelicalism. And, oh boy! Um, went to this retreat called Teens Encounter Christ uh, and. Uh, never really had the whole hellfire and brimstone sort of thing. Catholics are sort of like, eh, you forgot to eat fish on Friday. Eh, gives you shit. Um, you didn't genuflect. You don't believe you can't say the Hail Mary. Eh, who cares? You went to confession and you totally just lied to the priest. Anyway, your confession should have been your confession. I'm <laughs> lying right now. That's what's happening. A meta confession. Yeah. <laughs> Confessing for your last confession. I, I just, uh, I, I think I pushed my sister. I, had a, I think I stole some things and I said the fuck word. And the priest was like, say 12 Hail Marys, and you're all free of Marys, but we know whatever. Um, didn't take that that seriously. Then I got super into young earth creationism. And I think it was, and it wasn't that my parents were non-religious, but it was, it was a, not a tacked down part of their life. It was part of their lives, but it wasn't 
the central part of their being where evangelicalism in the early 2000s and late 90s was this should be the most important thing in your life so it should permeate everything you do so then we got the Christian music scene and we got all this kind of weird shit that happened um, that didn't make any sense you know do you, do you guys remember being like if you like this secular band, you'll like this Christian mm-hmm. band. And yeah. you can listen to it guilt-free. I did hours of research <laughs> on websites like that. I will Same. never get those hours back. Um, so then I went to a conservative Baptist college, um, which actually kind of straightened me out in a weird way. They were like, oh, you're young earth creationism. Right. Let's talk about facts and real things. So that that was, I guess that was good. Um, and then I, I think... Going to seminary and doing grad school and reading about the early church and figuring out how faith was formatted, it was like, this is just something some dudes made up, you know, in the third in the third century, and in the Council of Nicaea. There's so many things that have nothing to do with Christianity or Jesus that are central to the Christian faith, especially Catholicism, but obviously permeates everything uh, in a certain way, um, and just kind of kind of going through it myself. You. I mean, most seminary folks do go through a kind of deconstruction because they're like, why did I believe this in the first place? Feel free to jump in whenever to talk about it. I was agreeing. Um, But, I don't know. Then I went and did, you know, regular regular work. You know, um, was a barista for a lot of years, bartender, uh, chef, um, that kind of, that world. And then finally got into working nonprofits. So started a... Uh, feeding program for the homeless for three or four years in uh, east side of St. Paul, feeding about 100 to 200 people every day, Monday through Friday, uh, for free. Um, I mean, I got paid, not well, but the lunch was free, is what I mean. And then now I work for Merit Community Services. I'm the independent and uh, nutritional um, specialist manager. So I oversee two different food shelves, and it's not quite in the city limits of St. Paul. One of them is uh, Arcade and Larpenter Street, so it's east side proper, and the other one is actually located inside Woodland Hills Church, which oh. is weird because I work at Woodland Hills, but not for Woodland Hills. Ah, so that's, nice. And I keep seeing people there that I knew from seminary. Like, today, some guy was like, hey, Josh, what's up? And I was like, I know you from that place that we used to go to, but I don't remember your name, so I was just like, hey, bro. Um, and my old advisor works there. Greg Boyd, who I took classes from, works there. Well, he's, he's the past, main speaking pastor. Um, so that's weird to have that connection. So I'm still, I'm still working in a church, but we're doing this food shelf thing. So we, I don't know, I just did the stats today. We're, we're feeding about 840 households in St. Paul monthly. Wow. the two food shelves. It's phenomenal. So that's around, how many people? So about 200 folks a week. Times 16 days of, of, no, times four. So, about, yeah, about 800. So, uh, individual households. It's, um, yeah, it's good. Then I also help, I help manage a Meals on Wheels program, which is a really, really good program, but it's also... At America as well. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's all, that, that program needs some work just because the meal that you get, actually, like our cost for it is $4.25. And if that was at a restaurant, like the plate cost for that, it should be like a $20, $25 meal, mm. you know? And it's definitely not. So they're getting some good food. They're not getting that good food. Okay. That money's going somewhere else. That's a different conversation. Um, but so that's what I'm doing now. Um, and you can, so that, that's not a religious... No, it's a, it, it started you out. You can say the name of it safely. Yeah, it started yeah. out as actually Christ Child Society and was Catholic when it started oh. in uh, 1908. So 
Oh, he's yeah. been around a long time. Yep. So America, I think, officially went secular sometimes in the 60s or 70s. Sounds like a familiar transition, doesn't it, Joshua? Oh. <laughs> Started out Catholic and it's secular? Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, But it's dedicated to... It's, our, our motto is uh, growing stronger together. And so we try to do all kinds of different community programs. We're actually a stabilization agency, so the food shelf might be the first reason you come because you need food. But if you need food, you probably need other things. So mm. we also have employment services, and we have uh, case management, rental assistance, you know, all kinds of different resources that people can use to navigate the system once they've been you know, put out or have become homeless or something. And so we try to do this integrated model where if I have a, a participant that comes in for food shelf, we have a form they fill out that says, do you also need rental assistance? Do you also need down payment assistance? Do you also need oh, wow. you know, help with domestic violence? Do you also need mental health issues? And so they, they sign p- papers, and not sign papers, but tell us what they need. And mm-hmm. then within 24 to 48 hours, we have a social worker or a caseworker working with them trying to figure stuff That's out. That's awesome. So, yeah, it, it is pretty awesome. Um, and I'm, like, I'm new to it. I just started in the, the beginning of February. But sorry, that kind of, that kind of <laughs> messes this up. So it's been a several months. <laughs> um, but I really like the organization, and it's it's a good way to do work. Um, it's a good way to do, I think, work that just should be done without having the guise of like, but you're also going to go to heaven because you're mm-hmm. going to do this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or also, you're going to be rewarded. A great will be your reward in heaven or something. It's you know, going to so. be a question. Hang on to that. Put a pin in it. I'll turn it back. Like, man. Bring it back. So, um, uh, Well, enough about me. Angela, do you care to kind of give a little sketch about your um, background? Yeah. I grew up really conservative Lutheran and then went kind of through the same transition Joshua did where I didn't take being Lutheran very seriously, but then I got really into evangelicalism kind of around the same time Joshua did. Um, we yeah, actually... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Jinx. So cute. Yeah. You we know. actually met at the retreat that he talked about, the Teens Encounter Christ. Um, I have a picture of the day we first met. Yep, that's where we I met. I think and I've I seen think that it picture. Kind of, yeah. It kind of went from there. I don't know. I think a lot of... That stemmed from the fact that I had really protective parents. So if I said I was going to a party, they'd be like, Ugh. and they'd be like, I'm going to a tech party. Or a Bible, <gasps> or a Bible study. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going, you know, I'm going to go hang out. I had a lot of friends who were guys. So I'm going to go hang out by myself with a bunch of guys. Mm, boo. But we're going to read the Bible. Ding, 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 ding. You like, so I don't know. I think... Looking back, that's what kind of, it was definitely a major factor. But, I mean, I did believe it for a really long time. It wasn't just like I was like, I'm pretending to be a Christian so I can hang out with dudes without a chaperone. But, that's a sexy great, Christian. That is a great way to do it, though. Like, I really wanted to hide that, but like, but mom, I'm going to a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, She's man. I knew. Guys there. You're welcome. Because <laughs> many a time I would be going to. A guy's house, and it would just be all guys and me. My mom hated it. Hated it. And then they would be like, well, we're having like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie night, and we're all going to sleep over. And I was the only one who couldn't, because I had a vagina. Mm -hmm. I think that's unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) 
But yeah, my deconstruction happened, I think, probably around 2010, somewhere in there. I was working at a Christian nightclub. And yep, they, they existed. So stupid. Kind of an oxymoron now, if you think about it. Yep. Um, yeah, I can't even believe that place existed. Well, I can because we got funding from a super rich church in Brooklyn Park. Won't say which one because I hate it. Um, same. So once that check stopped rolling in, the Christian nightclub got flushed down the toilet. But, um, yeah, just a lot of really weird interpersonal stuff with people who on stage were claiming they're there for Jesus and then like sexually harassing people when they got off stage like that that'll make you question stuff real fast mm-hmm. so um that's kind of where my deconstruction started and then kind of looking more into like what Joshua said like looking into the history of it being like oh well what I thought was true isn't and this isn't a part of this and it doesn't say to kill gays in the bible and it you know and the more you go down that rabbit hole the more and more you have questions and just the being a christian and a woman automatically means you have an overwhelming amount of guilt about everything Mm. that you do everything that you don't do it's just saddled on you Mm. being christian and a woman I mean, being a woman, you have lots mm-hmm. of guilt. Mm-hmm. Just being in society, but it's 20 times worse when you identify as an evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. So when I got rid of all that, I, I felt freer than I had ever felt. And I haven't looked back since. And that's that's the, the short version. Very cool. Um, anybody else have anything? Input questions. Burning desires. Burning desires. Um, I don't know. I do. I we've. This is all. It's always. I'm always like baffled, I guess, by your guys' story. And we've talked about this before, just in private and on other podcasts. But like, I feel like you guys became. So much more Christ-like when you stop believing in Christ. <laughs> you know? I just think that, that and that's beautiful. And I think Brian is, was probably about to lead into this. I don't want to steal your thunder, Brian, but I think it's just interesting. Uh, once you have... If, if you still have the desire to help people and be quote-unquote Christ-like, which of course I'm just using a vocabulary that we're all familiar with as being race or, or being familiar with evangelical vocabulary and terms but uh if you remain that way and you still want to help people once you have removed the motivator of eternal punishment or bliss once you've removed heaven and hell from the equation if you still want to help people and be a good person then i don't know i think it's just a beautiful thing well i think it's also interesting too because uh i hear god bless you a lot even though i work at a secular food shop and like I don't correct people or say anything. It's like it's not. A, why, it's not offensive. Why would it bother me what another person believes unless it directly affects my life? Which mm. sometimes it does. Like if you, if you vote, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the most part, in why should what someone else believes bug me? You know, right. unless it's directly affecting my life. So I mean, so 
if when people you know have certain beliefs or you know say I'll be praying for you, it's like no problem. Okay, mm. <laughs> it's fine. Please don't. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Please, you're wasting your time. Right. Or just like, th- like thank he you. doesn't want to talk to me. Ed. <laughs> At least it helps them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's a why would it why would it bug me if it helps somebody else? So well, and even when I was talking to Amanda, because I think I had talked with her what we were talking about, but she might have forgot. <laughs> but when I was talking to her today on the phone, she was like, "So when we're you know Josh and Angela are coming over, like what are we talking about?" And I said, "We're." I said, I've kind of, I want to kind of name this as, as atheists are more Christian than Christians. And I, in some ways with, with, with you guys, and we've joked about it before, but it's also serious where when I say that is as people who don't believe in God or any of those tenets anymore, there's in, in what Amanda's word was, and I think she hit it is there's no incentive like you, you're not doing what you're doing because there's this great end goal of like heaven, or I'm doing this because I'm trying to convert these people getting food. I'm and Angela, you said this a long time ago, and it's always just stuck in my head. Is you shouldn't be like it, it doesn't matter if someone's a Christian or not a Christian, what your belief is, but you should be a human to another human. You know, like you should feed someone. Because human beings need food to survive. Sure. You know, it's one of our basic tenets of all humans, no matter who we like, who we worship or not worship or where we live or what are any of any of those things. And I feel that a lot of people who do food shelf or soup kitchens or any of that stuff, they do it with an ulterior motive, which is Christ, which is Jesus. And I'm not saying those people who do that are wrong or bad, but I feel like there's a big part of them that do it because there's this end goal for them, which is heaven, and for those people. like They're like, we'll give you food, but we're also going to give you Jesus. Yeah. And it, to me, it's like, why can't you just give them food? Maybe God or the Spirit or whatever might meet with them somewhere in their life, and that's fine. But what if they don't? Like, are you going to say, like, to get a free meal in our country, to get fed, you have to believe in some God? Or do you just feed someone because they're a human being and they need food? Well, then how, how truthful is the the profession of faith if you're trying to get right. hungry and trying to get food? You're like, right. sure, I believe in Jesus. Mm, yeah, that's true. J- Jesus. 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 One thing also that I was thinking that popped into my head when you were saying that... Um, should I go first yeah, go and then I yeah. pop in um, what you were talking about atheists, specifically atheists being more Christian than Christian I think how I view it is someone's reaction to how they've been through the shit in their lives Yeah, like I've been really poor like I've been through some shit which I won't go into but it's how you like you have a choice on how to react to that. You can either become more empathetic and be like, I see this person going through shit. I remember right. how I felt when I was in the shit. Yeah. And I want to help lessen the pain that I felt mm. because they're going through the same stuff. So, but then on the other end, some people go through shit and they become even more closed off. Like, 
I can't fucking deal with this. The world's against me. Everyone's a motherfucker who wants to mm-hmm. cheat me. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I've seen people go that way too. Both Christian and atheist. Mm-hmm. So I think coming down to how you sort of deal with your own shit in your life sort of shows, like, how willing you are to help other people. Mm. You either go on this side and be like, man, I know what that feels like, and it sucks, and that's happening to them, and I want to make it better for them because I wish I had someone, or maybe I did have someone, Mm -hmm. when I was in the shit who made it better for me, so I want to be that person to them. Or maybe you didn't have anyone when you were in the shit, and you're like, that sucks. At least I can be helpful to them in the shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, on the other end, both atheist and both Christian, I've seen when they go through shit, it's like, fuck this, fuck everything. Life's a bitch, then you die. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's a crook. Like, and I think where you land on that spectrum really kind of dictates on how you're going to treat another person when they're in the shit. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's like life, maybe, I I think this might relate to what you're saying, Angela, but like, it's like maybe life experiences that, that aren't necessarily reflecting your character, but your life experiences and how you're raised might determine where you land on the atheist Christian spectrum. But then your character and who you are kind of determines how you land on the fuck other people or help other people. Bingo! Yeah, that's... Caleb just said it more eloquently than I was just saying. I was just trying to make sure I understood. Spectrum. I was like, where you are in the shit spectrum. But yeah, that's exactly correct. It's a spectrum. Exactly It's all a spectrum, Kayleen. It's 2019. Wake up. I was just joining Kayleen. No one's kidding, by the way. And I know that there is wondering spectrum. what she didn't know there was such a thing as a shit spectrum. <laughs> no, I, was just I know there is one. That's, it, that's just totally how I see it in my mind. I'm a very visual learner. <laughs> so I, I see like the person like Yeah, it's the old shit spectrum. <laughs> right. So when I see a person like <laughs> Oh my gosh, my third girlfriend just dumped me. Fuck every girl. Mm, like yeah. I hate it. I'm gonna sit at home. Like, well, dude, do you want to come out? Like, I'll buy your dinner. No, fuck that. I need to or I listen to this. And I'm gonna throw a kid off the off the railing in the ball of America. Yeah, I good mean, God. Mm. You know. Like, um. So yeah, they're far. Let's just say on the right of the yeah. shit spectrum. But then I've seen other people. Like I've seen people when I used to work at Salvation Army who would get free food and then share it with someone else who was homeless. Mm, wow. Yeah. So, they obviously are in the shit, because they're homeless, but they're still willing to share because they see someone else in the same uh, difficulty that they're Mm -hmm. having, but they're like, no, man, I want to make sure you get enough, too. Right. So, I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, just how you kind of deal on that, I'm I'm coining that, the shit spectrum. I like that, yeah. How you deal with the shit spectrum, I think, regardless of atheist and Christian... I think yeah. that's a huge tell of, you know, how you want to spend your time, how you want to treat other people, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one of the reasons why I kind of, and we don't have to name it this, but I, my frustration is my whole life, I was always, you know, growing up in the church and having, coming from a pretty religious background, I always felt like when I was evangelical and now being more mainline Protestant, and 
the Protestant church that I'm a part of in tradition, we don't, you know, we do feed my starving children and stuff like that. We don't do it to be like a pat on our back or whatever. But I felt like the times we did that with the Pentecostal church that I grew up in, it was always more of look at the good things we did for these poor people. You know see, what I mean? See, it was that's, like, that's the thing, seeing poor people as an other. Yeah, no, Instead exactly. of right. seeing, look what we did for this person who no, exactly. I'm on the same line with. Instead of, look at me and a person up here. Right, no, exactly. And helping and this person, oh, they're down there. Well, like, we did this... We did this thing in our tradition that's going to be nameless, um, but we did this thing called TCO, which is Twin Cities Outreach, and it was it was always funny because it, I don't know why, but people only think people who are homeless in bigger cities, but then you could be in a small town and there's homeless people. Oh yeah, in those small towns, there's homeless people all over, but people would come from all over the state of Minnesota to the cities, and my home church was. Um, one of the head churches for St. Paul, and where my home church was, was you went like three block, three or four blocks south, and you were kind of in a let's just say rough uh, neighborhood. And on then the you other would go, side of the tracks. Yes, and then you'd go two or three blocks the other way, and you're in a very different socioeconomic bracket. And so whenever we tried to, I hated it not looking back, but when we would try to convert, we would call it um, evangelizing, but it was trying to convert. We would always go to, to the rich part, to the rich part of town, to the rich part of town. Um, and you might want to just bring her. Sorry, our child's, uh, trying to go to bed. So if you hear a little child, she's, she's kind of freaking out. Anyway, I guess my whole point was it, it always was that kind of like dichotomy of look at these people. It, like what you were saying is like we have to be on that like that same level and like how are you going to react? Just, and I felt like growing up it was always like I have a roof over my head. I have, you know, food on the table and all this stuff. And it was always like look at what I'm doing for these people who are less fortunate than me. And But there was always this ulterior motive of... They need Jesus, they need food, or they need Jesus, whatever. And I think what we're seeing in our society now is a lot of us, former evangelicals, I'm one of them, is we're, we're calling bullshit on that. Regardless of religion or not, we're just saying, I think you're seeing now what's going on in our society, whether it's millennials or whatever, is... We're saying enough about Jesus. Don't tell people about Jesus, but let's give food to people because they need food. Who cares what they believe in? There's no ulterior motive. Like, if this person needs food, they need food. If this person needs housing, they need housing. If this person needs a job, they need a job. Let's not do any kind of evangelism or or proselytizing. There we go. You know what I mean? Do you agree with that at all? Well, I think... Part of it that I was that I was thinking about before that came back to my mind was uh, so we have we've had a spare room in our house since we've lived there, but it's always full. It always has somebody in it that's going through transition, who is experiencing divorce or homelessness or whatever. We always have someone there, but the the same reason that that room is full is because they feel more comfortable coming to us than they do coming to a church. Mm. 
because they think the church is going to judge them or make them do shit. Where they're like, these people just let us stay for free. This is weird. And I don't know why they're doing it. Yeah, no. You know? That's a good point, yeah. Um, but I think that's... Part of it is if, you, if you're like, I'll just ask my pastor, you're like, well, that's the person I look up to so much. If they knew all the struggles mm, yeah, that I'm going right, through, right. I, I wouldn't want them to, to look... I wouldn't want to look bad in their eyes. Yeah, and they feel like maybe embarrassed or yeah, absolutely. And I would be scared like the pastor would tell his wife, and then the wife uh, would tell this lady, and like, right. and like keep way too like, private, like, going like hard time. yeah. And then people like start guessing what the um, hard time yeah. is, and like I've seen right. it happen before mm-hmm. in churches, yeah, and it right. makes me like crazy uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather talk to a right. friend than some guy who's probably going to go tell his right. wife and she'll tell all these people yeah. and she'll be really vague about it uh-huh. and then you walk into church next Sunday and people are giving you the side eye and like uh-huh. oh yeah yeah it's like you're, you're sitting in a small group this is obviously an extreme example like you're sitting in a small group Brian's sitting here next to me put my arm around him I'm like someone in our midst is going through some real hard times now I'm not going to yep. get specifics but yep. it's sexually related <laughs> turns out he just had to go get Viagra because he I can't get, get it up. You can't get, can't it, get it, up. it up. But 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 then, but then everyone's <laughs> not thinking, true. Not true. <laughs> but then everyone's <laughs> thinking like, it's okay, oh, is he being unfaithful? You know, that's obviously a silly example. But and then like some other person's <clears throat> like, I always knew he was gay. Yeah, or, right. like some stupid uh-huh. shit. Like, right. I've seen it happen, mm-hmm. and it's like no wonder people don't feel comfortable. Right, for sure. Well, I, th- I think people have. I think it's been going around for a long time since the 30s, but people have finally like bought into the idea that the really most important thing about the Christian church is the community, mm. like the body of Christ. Um, as soon as you give that body of Christ physical form, like brick and mortar church, fucking lost the plot. Like you mm. lost the point I fully agree because that. you've got these beautiful communities of faith that all of a sudden end up owning all this property and having all the shit they don't need and then they spend more time dealing with the tax burdens or non-tax burdens or what they can write off what they can mm-hmm. than doing any good at all the and business then, side and they have so many programs going on all of a sudden because they have this space they have to pay for it so they rent it out to seven different churches so no one knows what's going on and they hire someone to deal with that who you know who knows what they believe who cares right mm-hmm. they'll take care of that shit and then all of a sudden you've got this giant like animal you've created that you're mm-hmm. like, does this look anything like Jesus? Right. And you're like, no, it doesn't, but we're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and people just they people are so resistant to change that it's like, why don't we just fucking leave? Yeah. What are they gonna do? Right. Well, foreclose on our church? Who gives a shit? And you know, it's kinda going with this. We, you can't foreclose little, on community. Right. Where I mean we're a little off topic, but it's totally fine. It's not like That's we haven't done this before. But, you can't foreclose on community. Uh, yes, it's true. That's right. Um, but I, I think that what you hit, though, is right, is is it's community where... I mean, if you even look back at the early church, it was in like the, like how church started. It wasn't in these huge temples or these huge, quote-unquote, what we call churches. It was like in people's houses, mm-hmm. and they had food and drink and talked about life or maybe talked about Jesus because Jesus was around relatively the same time as them. But what we see now is these mega churches, and not even mega churches, but churches of a couple hundred people, and they have this group and this group and this group. And my like I look at a lot of churches and it's like within let's say you have a church of like two hundred people, which is, you know, they say like an average size church in America is about two hundred people. Well, out of that 200 people, how many, how, how close of a community can you get with those 200 people? Probably not very well. 
And so I feel like even Sacred Collective, other things is like we're we're building on community. We care about each other. Like I'm not gonna go into specifics, but Kayleen called you know called us yesterday, and you had a death of a of a close Hi. person that you knew. And I was supposed to go to church last night for for a thing, and I called my pastor and said, I can't go. I have a friend who's dealing with a death, and I want to be with her. And and I so it's like I'm saying no to a church community, but I, I'm going to be part of this community because I'm in. And it's not even. It wasn't even like we just had Burger King and we had ice cream and we just talked about you know not not all everything, but meaning like I I think it's more of like community is. We're, it's kind of under the microscope of what we're doing with it in a good way of we're saying and and with our group specifically it's not even about do you believe in Jesus or no who cares it's about we're men and women who care about each other care about what we do for our community and for ourselves and I think quote unquote the church like you were saying Josh has lost that and that's not Jesus Not and I'm not going to say church in like the kind of brick and mortar of what a building, I'm not going to say that that's bad because some people need that. Let's be honest. Some people need that. That gives them their identity. That gives them their spiritual background. So you can't, I'm not going to throw that away. But I think more and more what you're seeing in this society, regardless of generation, is you've seen a, such a steep decline in church attendance and of people quote unquote being members of churches regardless of denomination because they're getting community in other places mm. and even if the church dies you know I don't think community's gonna if community does die then I think the human race dies yeah. even than we already are. what do you think about small groups have you ever been a part of a small group uh-huh. Like, because I think, like, how you were talking about this need for community, and then we have these giant churches, and it's like, just, you know, the churches we've gone to, and two atheists go to church, I'm like, there's not, there's not even a hint of community. You don't even talk mm-hmm. to the person next to you. Like you said, like, what drive through drive through church, you go sit in the seat, and then you food. get the fuck out. But they're like, do you want, say, friend. Do you want a deeper connection? Like, you know, and they're yeah, like... that's exactly the line. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> join this small group. And I remember when I was in a church, it wasn't even that big of a church. It was kind of like a college-age church when I was dating my ex. And I was a part of a small group. But it just seemed so, like... I don't know. I likened it to, like... Going to, like, a family reunion that you're, like, kind of lukewarm about going mm. to. Because you didn't, you didn't get to pick it. Like, it's just either you can randomly get, like, do you like bike riding? Join our bike riding right, small group. Yeah. You know, like. Our yeah. bike riding small group. So at least you have bikes in common. Uh-huh. But this was literally, like. Small group one, small group two, yeah. three, four, five, and then they just lump all these people together. And it's like, yeah, maybe you made a good connection with like one of them, but a lot of the time I felt like, because this is where you're supposed to like expose your deep, dark secrets. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you're supposed to tell your small group if you can't get it up. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, if you're, or you're supposed to tell your small group that 
I'm having some bisexual right. feelings. I'm like, struggling with, but I'm struggling with bisexuality. bisexuality. And like, that's who you're supposed to be talking to. And these are just people that some administrator in a church office was like, eh, we'll do you, 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 and you, and you're in small group one, and you, you are in small group... And I never felt like, yeah, I made, like, maybe one good connection out of it, mm-hmm. who I'm still friends with today, but definitely not, like, a comfortable atmosphere. And I'm, like, kind of a private anal person anyway. Um... That I would be able to go and like share all my dark secrets. And I always wondered if anyone else who had been part of a small group, if they felt that or if it was just me being, you know. <laughs> no, like I was, if I can jump in, I was yeah. part of a small group from the seminary where Josh and I went to. You weren't a part of it, but it was my close friend who's actually a minister invited me to. This small my my daughter His kicked daughter me literally my kicked daughter him in the face. Kicked me in the face. Um, never a dull moment with the toddler. Um, so if you hear this little jibber jabber, it's my daughter trying to be part of the conversation. And, it, no, and she I got kicked, kicked him in, in the, the face chest. again. No, but this it. They said it was a small group, but it was AKA a Bible study. So literally, small groups in the evangelical world is Bible studies. Um, and I'm a kind of person where, I, like, when I commit to something, I commit. If any of you guys here know me, you know that Is I... Is he in that group? Yep. Yes, you were. Okay, Let I know which one you're talking about Remain nameless. Um, there was a lot of great people there. A lot of people that care about you. Some some people some people that I'm still friends with today, like you were saying, like one or two people and that... It, yeah, I'm not saying that they were bad people right, in the small group. It, I just... It came to the point where, like, for a while, I mean, I was really involved for, like, a couple months, and then I just kind of got burnt out because it was just, like, every other small group. Because, like, to me... And I don't know how to fix that yeah, problem. Well, or yeah. to me, I'm a very extroverted person, and I'm a kind of person where I'm like, if you're my friend, I expect us to, like, talk or to text or... Every now and then to get together for, like, drinks or food or whatever. Not saying all the time. But these people would be, like... It was always two or three people constantly leading the conversation. Constantly saying, oh, you're right, you're wrong. You know, validating or not validating. But kind of having to be, quote-unquote, the pastor of the group. And if you said that you... Disagreed with them, oh then it was gosh. like it you're just, a freaking idiot. It just turned into a shit show. Yeah, like, you, like, you, I you remember were there were so many people that got hurt. Yeah, because Kayleen was a part of it too. I was a part of it too, and I remember being like, "What did we just do? What just happened? That person, their faith just got completely shit on. That is not okay." But that's what happens sometimes in those kinds of groups. Not that that's you know like small groups aren't a bad thing, but. I don't know. Yeah, to, I don't think we have they're... to be okay with disagreeing with each other. Right. We don't have, you know, we don't always have to be right. But when there's that one person who thinks that they're right and everybody else is wrong, that can make it difficult. And there's yeah. always going to be that person. There's, there's never a way to get around that. It's right. never going to go away. So I think what you're like, <clears throat> I don't like to because community small groups can be used interchangeably, unfortunately, but. I think I think community 
the way I look at it is not like small group of we're, we have this because I, I feel like to say the collective we're a community of people who care about each other care about our stories but there's no there's no ulterior motive like we're Christians we're atheists we don't know what the hell we believe we're you know whatever and that's that's the great thing about our group and it's not like about that I really wanted to talk to you about Jesus <laughs> and, and it's not and it's not like church attendance where it's like, heads except for me and, and it's, <laughs> If it's you not, raise your hand... I see that hand. I see that hand in the background. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus sees that Thank hand. you. Jesus sees Thank that you. hand. When I point at you, you can bow your head again. <laughs> um, yeah. But oh no, God. you know, so, like, because even in, like, the small groups, and maybe you were part so of the small groups, yeah. Angela, when you were part of small groups, like, there was always that, like, one or two people who <coughs> always had to lead it. It was always, like, there was this ulterior motive of this person who had to be the one in charge of, and if they kind of de- it's almost like they were the quote unquote pastor and well we had small group leaders who were like kind of like the big ups in the church they were like oh stop he's making fun of me drinking cinnamon whiskey um, it's good whiskey I like it uh, like they were kind of like I don't know like the stereotypical couple that had it like all together, Got it together. at the church yeah. like they're they're not like the pastor's wife and the pastor right. but they're like pretty close mm-hmm. they pray together every night right before intercourse yup yup thank god thank god after they orgasm together and mm-hmm. thank you lord for the blessing you, lord, of this blessing of these feelings <laughs> um is but that yeah, a, is it that was a always, real thing that that some people did that? I'm I know, I know, I know it's a real thing. But seriously, like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> that song. I'm is just not watching. Real. You, I'm just listening to this, and I'm like, okay. But like, they're the couple now. that's like. We're exaggerating, but still. I know, but still, still I've off. seen it. Though. I don't think we are. No. I I've heard about. I just. You know. They're like the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Talks amongst yourself. We had a, we had a pee incident. Um, it was me. Yeah. Joshua, Josh just peed sprayed up. piss all over the whole room. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a degenerate atheist. So yeah, yeah. Atheist doesn't care about anything. He'll pee on microphones and throw no species everywhere. Um, this is why I need God. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know how to like. Fix the small group problem. Are you, you know are what you I mean? Saying, uh, the main issue is like the randomization of like this random group of people thrown together. But how how would you? Are you saying that, that is the issue though? Is that specifically, or is it the fakeness of it, or what? So we have a few qualms. I'm curious. Well, I think for for communities, kind of all the above. All the above. Yeah. <laughs> As we talk about community, like you have to have a stake in the community that you're involved in. So like. We're focused specifically on the east side of St. Paul. We both work in this community. And, like, I'm a part of a lot of east side collaboratives with a lot of other nonprofits that focus on this community. But even those nonprofits that focus on the community, there's, like, maybe 15% of us that actually live in the community. Oh, right. So there's still people who are resoundingly, they want to help, mm-hmm. but they live in the suburbs. So they don't have a stake in it. You know, the, sa- the same way, the same way you don't have a stake in some other kid's education that's not your child. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's not your kid, so it's like it's not directly affecting. Yes, but when when you root yourself in a place, I do think that's really important to do that in a community. Mm-hmm. So, like with a small group being, I, mean, I don't know what we got 
there, but like uh, small groups, like if you don't have to see each other outside of the church. That's a good point. You know, like That's if, great. If, yeah. if, the, if the only time you're going to see each other is that mm-hmm. one hour a week, yes. then who gives a shit? Just yeah. mail it in, uh-huh. you know? Yes. And like the only other times you see each other besides that once a week are like even calling them like small group outings, like we're going bowling as a small It's still, group. yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you see me at the abortion clinic. Um... Yeah, it doesn't feel seriously. Seriously, it doesn't feel authentic to me. Mm -hmm. If it's like we meet once a week, oh yeah, I that's I think that's hitting the nail on the head. And then and then we'll do these outings Uh where it's like let's frawl for like yeah. (laughs) I'm just thinking of old Uh things that my small group used to do. Let's go uh-huh. frolfing, and, and then like, it makes it so convenient to just like put. It's like oh, trying to put on my small group face, or trying to put on my my church face because it's only it's like an isolated it's, it's encounter, com- right? And it's completely different from the face right. you put on with like your quote unquote real friends uh-huh, or whatever. Yeah. Not saying the small group aren't your real friends, but, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. the small group was it's always like compartmentalized. It's like so easy to just. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, and I never know, like, when I've expressed to Christians my dislike of smuggler, they're like, ooh, what's your idea? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, sure. I have no idea. For sure, yeah. No clue. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, even at one point I was like, what have you had, this might sound really fucking stupid, but I don't care, I don't mind looking stupid. Um, if you had, like, a directory of people in a mega church, and then it's almost like an online dating app, Hmm. where you could, like, look through and, like, scroll through and see, and have, like, the congregation pick their own small groups. Hmm. So it's not just, like, do I kind of like riding bikes? Uh, Mm. yes. Like, Or how most guys would pick a small group. Is that hot chick in the mm-hmm. bike riding group? Hell, mm-hmm. hell yeah. I yeah. love bikes. Is, is this the illustrious living group? Or, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Oh, part, part. Right. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> Just back out of the room. Right. And uh, <laughs> You can swipe, swipe left or right on the congregation members. So even... I don't know. I mean, so much could go wrong with that. But I like the fact that the congregation is picking their own groups instead mm-hmm. of these so-called, like, small group leaders Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. like, lumping people together. I think that's where the compartmentalization Mm -hmm. comes in because you're just, like, this lottery of people that got lumped together. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. if you could look through, like, people's interests and be, like, yeah, I think I could actually be compatible with that Uh person. Yeah. Instead of just, like... Mm-hmm. I'm a woman over 30. Right, yeah. We must have tons in uh-huh, common. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. feel... I don't know how you would implement that. Yeah. Or, or maybe, if it, it, maybe it just, like, occurred naturally. Like, maybe if it was, like, quote-unquote, like, decentralized. Like, the church isn't making a small group, but it's like, I get along with these people, and I want to hang out with them, or, like, I want to talk with them, or whatever. But then that, I think I think maybe having the label of now we are having a meeting... Right. It almost makes it like, you know, put on your your Sunday best, quote unquote, like maybe not physically, but like, you know, put on that mask or whatever. Put on yeah. That, that yeah. face that, you know, that you have to act a certain way or whatever. I know that I was, the last small group, official kind of small group that I was in 
was um, at a, a covenant church, and um, it it was really interesting because it was at the peak of my still being, I guess, in the evangelical world and my deconstruction. Because like at during this group, and it was it was a actually you know I think I was invited to the group, but it had been randomly put together. So like I had one friend there. And then it was a bunch of kind of more straight-laced, evangelical, kind of predictable. You're getting all the, you know, like, they're like, how can we, how can we be the hands of the Lord for you? You know, like, just right, all right. that, all that shit. And, uh, but it was really interesting because I was just being, surprise, surprise, I was being very uh, transparent and straightforward with where I was at. And I was like, I remember one time, I remember reading through a book or something, or like we had assigned Bible readings, or, you know, everyone was like reading the same thing that week or whatever. And um, we had we did uh, a week on the Ascension, and I had been just I guess for the listener I'd been a very very good Christian boy up until this point and just never questioned any of the stories or anything like that. We talked about the Ascension though, and I was like, you know what, guys? Like, are you telling me that literally this man shot up through the atmosphere and then what? Like when he when he hit when he hit the ozone, like his body what like started. Decompose, like what would happen, like physically, like oh, you know, it's, it's a miracle. It's like, well, so what? Is Jesus still flying through outer space? Towards, rocket man towards heaven, yeah, like Rocket Man towards heaven right now. How is he breathing? Like, what are the mechanics here? What are we talking about? And they're like, well, you know, that's a great question. It was faith, and like they cared about me. You know, these people cared about, and they're like, honestly, they, I mean, yeah, I haven't touched that right. And they honestly were like. uh Probably like in a genuine sense, as, as genuine as they could be in this quote-unquote certainty that they had that I was going to be damned if I didn't believe the right thing, then you know they probably, to an extent, really cared for my salvation or whatever. Maybe they wanted jewels on their crown, or maybe they really wanted me to not burn in hell. But either way, like they still, it was still like, yeah, that's a good question, man. But you know, like we just gotta have faith and this and that. And I was just like trying to be honest, be like guys, I'm really starting to think this stuff doesn't make a lot of sense if we read it this way. Like God's mind is so more advanced than ours. Exactly. Like what yeah. he thinks doesn't make sense to us. Right. And... But I, I did still benefit from this random group of, of good little Christian boys and girls. Oh yeah, and I'm not you know? saying people can't benefit yeah. from small groups. Right. I. But what I've chosen them were they supportive in in my journey? You know, they could have been more so. I don't know. You know, but I, I would not have chosen them. But at the same time, maybe the randomization. I'm of course not defending any evangelical uh, traditions or anything like that but like maybe the randomization was kind of nice but maybe they heard a perspective they wouldn't have otherwise heard so it would have been like an echo chamber of people being like yeah like this is so true totally you know that's the know. flip side yeah. that I always think about too because the randomization then you can learn a bunch of stuff from mm-hmm. other people that you normally wouldn't have hung out with mm-hmm. and then I just get frustrated thinking about it because I'm like I wasn't comfortable in my small group but yeah. that was maybe just me being a Brat, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, which totally could have been true, but yeah, and I think it also depends on the threshold of people how willing they are to open themselves. Oh, up for to sure, people. yeah, and mm-hmm. um, or if you're going there to convince yourself that you convinced other people that you believe what you're supposed to believe, yeah, that makes any I, sense. Like, I think that was like the main reason I joined a small group because mm-hmm. I was like. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to mm. fucking buckle down and right, join a small group right. and have people be accountable for you. Right. And uh-huh. if you're going to take this seriously, you better fucking mm. get on it. Right. So, 
grow in your walk with the Lord. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense as a sentence, even, really. Yeah, I don't know how you grow in a walk. You either walk or you don't walk. Yeah. Maybe we should label this podcast small group. Yeah, I feel like I, I kind of turned it way No, I like this, it. yeah. No, it's, it's That's fine, how but... conversations work. We're going where it flows. Yeah. And this, I don't know, like, this is the closest thing to a small group that I've genuinely enjoyed doing. And I don't Me know, too. I, you know, I, I feel like... Agreed. Well, but in, within certain parameters of a definition, you could call us a small group. You know? When people ask me where I go to church, instead of saying I don't, I say, oh, I go to Sega Collective. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. High five, long distance. Well, because uh, well, it's easier, because if I say no, they go, oh, why not? And then I have to say, It's easier. I, <laughs> it's I, it's I, well, strap in. <laughs> strap in, buddy. Here, have a bracing shot of absinthe and mm-hmm. put on this red scarf. Let's mm-hmm. go. Um, well, but and part of the whole thing with Sacred Collective is. Like, when Amanda and I sat down with this individual who is not a part of it anymore, but our whole thing is, literally all that it was, was everyone has a sacred voice. And in our opinion was everyone's voice, story, journey, whatever that is, is... Sorry, Ava's going to the bathroom. Oh, sorry. Uh, our daughter's trying to get potty trained, so it's hit or miss of... Literally going to the bathroom. We sang oh. a poo-poo song earlier together. Yeah, we sang a poo-poo There's a very yeah, creepy nice. poo-poo song that's out there. Anyway, no, um, what was I saying? You Sorry. threw me off. Sacred Collective Church. Yeah, you were yeah, talking about But no, the whole point of Sacred Collective is, is all, all of us have an important story to tell. And meaning all of our stories, whether you come every time you meet or once in a blue moon... But all of our stories are important, and they're all valid, and we're a collective of people, because as humans, we're a collective. And if it turns into, if this is quote-unquote church, for lack of a better phrase, or small group, or community, whatever words you want to say, then that's what it is, and that's and that's great. And it makes me excited when you say, like, oh, do you go to church, or do you have a small group? Let's say collective, because they don't need to know the in depth of that if they don't well, want to and usually I don't, I don't know these people too well so it's like not looking for friends all friended up buddy <laughs> sorry so the, but do you need a small group to go or church to go to yeah set set I'm all good no, man I'm good uh, I'm good <laughs> mm. we're almost at an hour should we do recommendations yes wrap it let's up? do recommendations starting with who's ready I gotta think for a second oh I saw a new show called Maniac or it's not new I guess that's a good the one the show on Netflix there you go. The, John Hill. John Hill, yeah. And Emma um, Stone. Emma Stone, yeah. It's pretty cool. Oh, I just started one. it. Um, it's kind of trippy. Uh, it's a guy who has, like, psychotic breaks. And uh, it's about mental health, I guess, at its core, which is always an important thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cool. Brian, what's your recommendation? Um, two, if I can say that. Yeah. No. Or I'll make it. I'll make it into stop. Shush it. Um, one is a show that I just finished watching, and it's called The Rain. There you so go. So look it up on Netflix. It's a Danish show. I like uh, if you know me. If you know me. Good night, Ava. Can we all say good night to Ava? Good night, Ava. We're wrapping up soon, anyway. But good night. Night night. Can you say Wakanda forever? 
just like, what? But <laughs> <laughs> her face was very good. My, daughter, my daughter's waving goodnight to everyone and goodbye. Aww. So to all you out there. And... Say night-night. She's saying goodnight to podcast world. Um, the show's called The Rain. It's a Danish show. Um, the first season came out like a year or so ago. And season two is coming up on May 17th. So that's great. Um, and it's, what it's about, it's, it's like a, if you can deal with subtitles and stuff, it's about a brother and sister who... Um, well, it's like a post-apocalyptic thing. It's about... Um, there's a nasty virus that comes down in the rain, and if even a drop gets on you, the virus gets in your body, and you you end up picking up blood and you die. But apparently, it's this brother and sister whose dad is a scientist who actually created the virus, who literally has killed everyone in in Denmark, and they have to, you know tribe together, I guess, lack of a better phrase, to get together and find their dad, and that's how season one ends, but it's really good, it's, it's, it's some twists and turns, some things like that, so if you can deal with reading subtitles, it's a pretty, pretty good post-apocalyptic, um, thing. The other thing is a book that I'm reading, I'm almost done with it, it kind of fits into what we were talking about, but... It's a book called Why I Stayed and Why I Left, and it's about uh, the father and son dual book where if you've heard of the pastor and evangelist Tony Campolo, um, he is an evangelical Christian, and his son Bart Campolo, who was for many, many years a Christian, who his son Bart deconverted and is a secular humanist and is the chaplain, a secular humanist chaplain at University of Southern California. And the book is about, it's like every other chapter changes where it's the dad talking about Christianity and and why it's important to him and kind of how he's sad that his son isn't a Christian. And then the son's talking about his kind of just views and understandings of how faith is important to some people, but it's not really important to him. And it's just a really kind of very interesting, thought-provoking read um, of how a a father and... And why they wanted to write it was how, uh, as a father and son, as as family, that one person can be a Christian, another person cannot be a Christian, you can still have a close relationship as as family as kin but it's just the the and so far I'm halfway through the book um and so far I can say that the secular humanist is actually bringing a lot a lot more good points up than the evangelical christian I'll say that but that's a good book to read and it's really short you could probably get it done in like a weekend so why I stayed why I left is a good book I don't have anything right now that I can think of. So. Yeah, I know one thing you can say. What? Jane the Virgin. I'm not going to say that because I say that every time. It's not worth it. Um, 
I you know. and Amanda binge it together every weekend here. I know. It's good times. I like that show also. It's more fun to watch it with somebody else because there's like so many things that it's happen. Telenoveva or whatever you say. Telenovela. I can't say. It's like a meta telenovela. It is. It's, it's a, like, it's just, it takes you on a trip. Telenovela like, oh about gosh, telenovelas. Did that just happen? I didn't see mm-hmm. that. I'm trying to think of what I've been watching lately and it's not. Any good books you've read? I haven't read any books in a really long time. It's so terrible. Like, I read People Magazine. That's bad, but um, <laughs> I don't know. So if I think of something before, after you guys, then I will see it. So I think the only thing that pops to mind is uh, Amanda Palmer's newest album, There Will Be No Intermission. I really enjoyed that. came out a couple weeks ago. Amanda Palmer. Yep. What kind of music does she do? Uh, it's kind of like stream of consciousness ukulele music, um, mm. but she's got that old genre. Eh? It's uh, she used to be that part, old she part of the Dresden, the Dresden Dolls when they mm. were around. Yes, um, yes. She's been on her own for a while, but it's uh, I don't know, just really honest music. So yes. it's she doesn't have the greatest voice, but who gives a shit? Like she's out there making art, and uh, she just did a nationwide tour. And while she did it, she's protesting like every day. So she protested the White House when she wasn't there. She protested in Philly, like. Anywhere she was, she joined any kind of women's protests, and she, uh, yeah, just just out there being an artist. She also did the TED Talk, The Art of Asking, because when she first started to want to be an artist, she was actually one of those street artists on the corner, mm-hmm. like the, the mimes, mm-hmm. and um, she just started asking fans if they would support her music, and she tried to raise, it was like $20,000, she raised like $1.2 million Jeez. to do her first couple projects. Wow. So like, that's crazy. pretty rad. Um, my recommendation is a show on FX called What We Do in the Shadows. It's a TV adaptation of the movie by New Zealand comedians Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Um, it's a mockumentary about vampires living in a flat together in New York. Mm. And one of my favorites... Staten Island. I mean, I love... Taika's sense of humor, it's like right up my alley, um, but I was thrilled if anyone has watched the British TV show The IT Crowd. Yeah, One of the vampires um, is played by um, the son of... Uh, I haven't watched The IT Crowd in forever, but the, the main president, he dies, and then the son, Renum... Uh, I can't remember his first name. I don't know. People who watch the IT crowd are probably screaming at the computer. But the comedian's name is Matt Berry. Mm. And he plays one of the vampires. And he was my one of my favorite characters in the IT crowd. He was so dramatic. I think, like, one of the funniest scenes I think I've ever seen is when he first sits at his dad's desk, opens the drawer, finds a gun, and goes, Hmm, a gun! And then puts it into his mouth and pulls the trigger several times to see if it's loaded. Is like, that, is is that, that the Tiki guy? Was he the one that did uh, Thor? Yes, he directed Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok and did the voice of Korg, the rock monster. Um, yes, that's Matt Berry. Is, he, um, is it the Irish guy or the... The very oh, it's that British guy, guy yeah. who talks like the yeah. father! Like, that guy. He plays one of the vampires, and he is the fucking best. That's on my uh, cue, I'm just saying. Douglas Rayholm. Yes. Oh, yeah, Douglas. Doug, yeah. Presenting Um, Douglas (laughs) Rayholm. Yes. 
The and he's he's just as Son dramatic as a vampire, and I fucking love it. Um, so it's on late nights FX on Wednesdays. So it, if you haven't seen the movie What We Do in the Shadows, start there, mm. and then start watching the TV series because it's hilarious. Can I just say one more? I know it's too much. I thought of something too, but, but you, go ahead. Uh, um, I have to say this because I just want people. To connect as much as I can. Um, if you can spring for like four or five dollars extra a month, CBS All Access is phenomenal. You can just add it on to your like Amazon or Netflix. Um, but watch the new iteration of Twilight Zone. Oh, I want to watch that. I have Jordan Peele, so we got it because Amanda and I, my wife and I, had saw us. We are we kind of have a crush on Jordan Peele. Um, we love I loved him from when he was in Key and Peele um, with his you know his comedy duo. But I loved him when he was when he did Get Out. We saw Us and that was a phenomenal movie. So that's a plug. But I love how he has done what he's done with the Twilight Zone is. There was an iteration back in the mid-90s that was on for a season or two, which was really, lack of a better phrase, just really shitty. Um, But what he does is he takes some of the older episodes from, like, the 50s and 60s, and he still sticks with kind of, like, the main thrust and the theme, Mm. but does a little variation of it to to obviously make it to more 21st century but it's it's and there's been some episodes where there's only been it started at the beginning of April um and so there's about five episodes out right now um and there's a lot of famous people like Seth Rogen is in it Kumal Kuna Kumal is in it uh Jeff, Jeff what is his name um hmm? John Cho who was in Star Trek's in it. Um, Adam Scott. From Adam Person Scott League. was in one. These are all and, comics or comic actors. Yeah, well, because Jordan Peele's a comic. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just several several famous people in it. I highly recommend it if you've liked the original Twilight Zone. My wife is one of her favorite shows of all time is Twilight Zone. So it's it's very fun if you like kind of sci-fi, just... My wife. Sur- my wife. <laughs> Surreal kind of thing. So that's Watch the Toilet Zone. It's very good. Okay, I found something. So I've been watching, rewatching Veronica Mars because they're going to be putting it a new. It's coming out on Hulu. On Hulu in July, I want to say mm-hmm. maybe. So I, I just need to watch the movie again because it's been a long time. But I've been rewatching the series and it still holds up. So your your say. thing is watching the old Veronica Mars and watch the new Veronica Mars. Yes, so. except for the fact that apparently the new one is going to be much darker and mm. a little bit more dif- different than what we've seen in the past. So I don't know what that means, but she's been doing press for the for the Veronica Mars stuff. So yeah, hmm. so hmm. it should be interesting. It's an eight episode limited. Thing, but she wants to keep going if they want to keep doing mm, it. So. Cool. Till nice. next time. We out. Be safe. Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, 
Find us on social media at SacredMN. A post-Christian production.